Hey, welcome to the Faith NFM podcast. We appreciate your time today, and we encourage you to head on over to faithnfm.com where you can find the notes for this presentation, as well as links to all that's happening around Faith Assembly. Our hope is that this message helps move you forward in your faith journey. Hey, let's dive in. I titled this morning's message, When It Seems Unfair. When It Seems Unfair. My boys, they are six and four, and they've discovered this concept of fairness. Parents, maybe you can relate. Daddy, mommy, that's just not fair. And it's frustrating. It gets taxing. You're saying, guys, life is not fair. Anybody relate with that one? I mean, I grew up in a Cincinnati Bengals home. I know about unfairness. Some of you Florida State fans out there, you know about unfairness. But maybe if we get a little more serious when we talk about things, you show up to a a routine checkup and you get some news you didn't want to receive. Or maybe you've had those moments when you got skipped over for that promotion that you rightfully deserved. Or maybe it's just not fair because the financial loss or the grief you've experienced, it's just not fair. Fairness is something that we always juggle with and we always look at as followers of Jesus or people in general. Today we're going to be talking and looking at a story about fairness and how that kind of plays into our lives. See, a lot of times we come and struggle with fairness because we compare our life to the life of someone else. See, think about it. If we didn't compare our life to somebody else, we would be okay. We'd have nothing to measure it against. We would have nothing to see a different standard. It would just be us in the race or the life we lead. That's why when racehorses and and, and I don't know if you ever watched the Kentucky Derby or when they train, they have these blinders or blinkers where they could just focus on what is ahead. Or whenever you're looking at life and you're walking and you're upside and you're on a mountaintop, they don't tell you to look down just because it's fearful, but they tell you to look forward because where you look where, is where you're going. Today, we need to make sure we're looking and seeing in the right direction so that we can go forward in the proper way. So we're going to be looking at this parable, and we've been in this series called Down to Earth. Jesus had this fascinating way of teaching in such a relational way to groups of people that were sometimes your most religious people, but sometimes his closest friends in his life. We simply define parable as this. A parable is a riddle that illustrates or a story that illustrates. It brings to life, it's this idea of a farmer walking in a field, sprinkling some seed along the path, and when in time, hopefully that seed takes root and grows. So today I want to invite you to join me, Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at uh, a few verses here. It's the parable of the vineyard workers, or what some in my favorite commentator says, the eccentric owner. So we find this parable, it's the only one, it's only found in Matthew, 
And it's this fascinating moment where Jesus is responding to a question by one of his close friends, Peter. Now, I love Peter because Peter is the man, the individual, the the apostle, one of Jesus' close three. And he asks the question that everybody thinks and always gets blamed for speaking up or speaking into something he shouldn't. But he always brings something to light and always says, hey, I am curious about this. And this is Jesus' response to this question when what should we receive or expect to earn? So join me, verse 1 of chapter 20. For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay him a normal daily rage, which is a denarius, which is very custom, and he sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing, so he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went and worked in the vineyard at noon, and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock, now this is unique because this is the final hour of the Jewish working day. They'd go 6 a.m. to 6 p.m., sun up to sundown. So five o'clock, the final hour, that afternoon he was in town again. This is the landowner, saw some more people standing around, and he asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one has hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers and pay in, in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's wage. When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and yet you've paid them just as much as you who, just as much as us who worked all day in the scorching heat. He answered one of them, friend, I've, have I been unfair? Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. Today I want to talk to you about what we need to remember when life seems unfair. And we can pull four observations from our text. The first one is this. Stop comparing your story to the moments of others. That's the first issue that we discover and that we see. What do these individuals do? They compare what they rightfully thought would be their correct pay, and they compared it to the pay of someone else. 
we are inundated with social media, and social media is fascinating. I, I like hopping on social media. It keeps you connected, but alarming amounts of studies are coming out on the impact of social media. In fact, they took, tw- they, they took adults and, and, and did this test on these group of individuals. They took one group and said, hey, you spend 20 minutes right now, and you just scroll Facebook. So they do that. They took another group of individuals and say, we want you to take 20 minutes and just surf the web, read your favorite articles, just, just uh, browse, nothing too alarming. At the end of the study, they asked them a series of questions and they found those who were on Facebook were extremely great amounts more ashamed of their self-image than those who just looked at the web fascinating. Another study came out of Australia, and it's alarming the esteem that teenagers are overwhelmed with or their lack of self-esteem. The higher the amounts of time they spend on social media, the lower self-esteem that they have. Why? Because in the social media realm, we're instantly and easily able to compare our life with someone else's. Look at Matthew 20, 12, it says, those people worked only for one hour. Look what happens. Look how it turns. These individuals who are working along shoulder to shoulder, step in step, hand in hand. At the end of the day, they're all celebrating that they get ready, they get ready to go home. But when they see and they start to compare their pay with their pay, they objectify those people. They say, those people. They say, hey, they're making as much as me. I don't know them anymore. I never learned their name. But those people worked only one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day and then in the scorching heat. It's fascinating, right? Whenever you look at it, whenever you look at your story, when we compare our stories with other people's moments, their highlight reel with maybe our mundane moments. It's fascinating when we look at our life, we're like, man, you don't really know what I've been through. We have this idea and we kind of make our problems a little bigger than maybe what they actually might be. We overthink issues, we, we speak out issues, and you notice that little detail of their response. They said, we worked in the scorching heat. They knew what they were getting into. They knew what kind of work that they were going to participate in. And then all of a sudden, the, the standard, the, the seen scorching heat. And the landowner responds, and he says, he answered one of them, friend, haven't, I haven't been unfair. Didn't you agree? That means they had no, negotiated to work all day for the usual wage. Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. So remember, when life seems unfair, we need to quit comparing our moments, our stories with those of other people and run the race that God's given us. Play out the story that God has led us to play out. Number two, when it comes to remembering the, the, the 
moments in life and when things seem unfair is this. We need to remember we find what we're looking for. We find what we're looking for. When we first moved to Florida, we were driving one day and we saw all these birds high in the sky. And this was very abnormal for us. And my wife looks out the window. She's like, are those eagles? We're driving and we see them like swirl. I'm like, I think they're vultures. You know, they're, they're massive birds. We've never, we're not accustomed to it. You know, here you see them and they're circling. See, whenever it comes to remembering that we, we see or we find what we're searching for is a vulture sets out. And what's a vulture set out to do in the first part of the day? They go look for death. What's a hummingbird do when they set out at the start of the day? They go look for sweet nectar. See, we find what we go searching for. We find negativity if we're looking for negativity. We find issues when we look for issues. We find positive moments. We find great gifts in the small things when we go searching for those moments and gifts in the small things. In Matthew 20, 10 verse 11, it says this, when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed they would receive more, but they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Look, they assumed that they would receive more. They were searching for more. They wanted more. They thought better of themselves. They thought their agreement would change because that's what they were searching for. Our perspective matters. Our perspective can help us push, be pushed in the right way. Our perspective can also push us in a different negative thinking way or maybe thinking better of ourselves than what we should be thinking. See, we have to remember time and time of day, we can be like the vulture and we can go and we can search for death or we can be like the hummingbird and we can go find that sweet nectar. We can search for the pleasance, the good things, the fact that they had a job, the fact that they were called upon, the fact that they had an opportunity to work the vineyard. Colossians 3.2 says this, set your minds on things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. Fascinating. Now that I've lived in Florida for some time, I have to say I see a lot more vultures flying in the sky than I see hummingbirds in my front lawn. Isn't that kind of true when we're hanging out with people, people outside of these walls, people in our community? It's really easy to find negative people to jump on negative things, issues, to find the problem, to call out the problem. But that hummingbird comes through. Fascinating creature. Unique creature. I think a lot of us need to start looking for that sweetness of life, the goodness of life, the opportunity in life. Did you know our eyes start to form about five months in the womb. In fact, there's 
these nerve endings that connect together, coming out from your brain and then connecting to your eye. So there's about a million that come from your brain and then there's a million that come from your eye. It's this complex kind of uh, uh, connection that not even advanced computers can do. Your eye is a fascinating body part. See, God gave us our eye not to just say it's a fascinating body part or say, wow, that's neat, but to give us an eyesight to focus on the things above and on his word. Psalms 119.18 says this, open my eyes to see the wonderful things in your teachings. My hope for us, no matter where you're at, no matter what you're going through in life, is that you're leaning into the teachings that are good and that are sweet and that can be pleasant and positivity and hope in your life. Maybe you're in here right now and you're wondering what it means to follow Jesus. I want to encourage you. My prayer for you. My hope for you is that God is working in this time and in this moment and in this service that your eyes are being opened to the goodness of life, the opportunity of hope right now, rather than possibly thinking of all the negative outside of these walls, outside of this church. We have to remember we find what we're looking for. These vineyard workers, they were searching for something that wasn't agreed and it messed their perspective up. Number three for us this morning is this. We need to be thankful. Life's unfairness falls in our favor. Life's unfairness falls in our favor. I came across this study. They say if you make as a household $93,000 a year, you are in the, you are in the 10% most wealthy in the entire world. We lived in Southern California for a while. I don't tell too many people that. You know, you've heard it, you've understood it. And some of us, it's awesome meeting people who now live in Southwest Florida and say, hey, I live in California. I really do love Californians. But I remember when we were in uh, Southern California, my wife and I had an opportunity to go to a talk show. Uh, now, I don't tell too many people this story because I'm not really a fan of the talk show, didn't care for the host, didn't really like what the talk show was necessarily about. But when we were at the talk show, I, well, excuse me, I didn't want to go, but she talked me into it. And uh, I said, if I don't like the talk show, then I get to buy a new golf club. <laughs> and I already knew what, I, what it was going to play out, right? And I show up to the talk show, and we we're trying to check it out. It was a new thing, new concept for us all. We've never experienced anything like that. You know, the whole studio, the whole, you know, they got these people. If you've ever been into kind of one of those things, they have what they call like a rock jock, and they, they cheer and they amp up the crowd. So you're like standing up cheering, and I'm like, I'm standing up and cheering, standing up and cheering, and I don't even know who this person is, don't really care. I'm starting to get really frustrated at my wife because it's like more of a workout showing up to one of these things. Well, part of the reason we went was because there was maybe rumors that we could be on one of these 12 day of giveaways. So we show up and at the, I thought the show was concluding and I'm like mad right now. I'm like, I, didn't, I came to the show and I didn't get anything. 
And here's the thing with that. At the end of it, they flip the script, they blow the alarm, and they say, guess what? You were on the 12 days of giveaway. The place erupts. It goes crazy. The, 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 the sirens go off, the crowd goes nuts, and we walk out that day, and I kid you not, with $10,000 worth of gifts. We came out and we won this mirror, you know, they have the electric, they have that person, and it's like when it first debuted, it's like an exercise thing. And it was one of those really cool moments. I'm like, yeah, we won. I went from being negative to being like, woo, yes. And I'm like, Britt, I don't have to go Christmas shopping anymore. We got it all right here. See, here's the thing when it comes to this observation. We got to be thankful when life's unfairness falls in our favor. I came in with a negative attitude, didn't want to be there, don't care to be there. But when I was gifted something, I sure wasn't returning anything. I was walking through that hall. Oh, thank you, thank you. I'm my best show ever. You keep it up, you know, instant fan. See, many times we overlook just the favor that's in our life. We overlook the goodness of what's taking place in our life. See, most of us, we never complain when favor finds us. The lottery winner doesn't return the ticket. The card player doesn't return the four aces. The winner doesn't say, I won't accept the prize. Truth of the matter is, when fairness falls in our favor, we don't ever bat an eye. We say, thank you very much. See, in Matthew 20, verse 1 through 2, at the very beginning, for the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for the vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage, and he sent them out to work. Now, we have to remember the context and the story of what happens in this society. These men were up probably 5 a.m., waiting to to be called, waiting to be picked up, waiting hopefully that they had a, a job that day. Hopefully that at the end of the day they could bring food to the table. They, they had nothing at the beginning and then the vineyard owner found them and says, okay, favors found us, thank you. And they remember that and they're, or they're, they're there and they receive it. They don't even bat an eye. They start to bat an eye whenever they start to compare their wage to somebody else's. They forget the favor that they had the opportunity to start out with. They forget the favor that they were selected right out the gate. They forget the favor that they were in the vineyard from the beginning. For a lot of us in this place, we have this, this, this capacity to, to overlook and we, we forget the favor that we have right now of being in this place to hear the hope, to receive the love, to brush shoulders with good people, to have coffee, to have donuts, to be a part of a group, to celebrate kids and, and to celebrate life and to celebrate an eternity 
that is drastically different than it was before we knew Jesus. We can never forget the favor that falls on our behalf. See, no one receives less than they deserve, but some receive far more. Hebrews 12, 28 through 29 says this, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe, for our God is a devour fire. We must always remember the favor that falls on our behalf. Number four for us, and our closing point is this. What we learn from this parable is this. We have gratitude for the grace that we've been given. Have gratitude for the grace that we've been given. I love this term. I've picked it up for some time. We all have received radical grace. See, the landowner challenges the disgruntled workers about their thinking. He says, is it against the law for me to do what I want to do with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first then, and those who are first will be last. We have to celebrate the gratitude that we've received. But we also need to celebrate the grace that we've been given and others have been given. See, when this landowner is challenging their thinking, he's challenging with this. He says, how we think determines how we think. When we compare, we can't think appropriately. When we compare, we can't say, God, thank you for this blessing. Thank you for this relationship. When we compare, we get critical. When we compare, we lose self-esteem. When we compare, life crumbles. Each and other, one of us need to be encouraged to have gratitude for the grace we've been given. I read this story about a family who was expecting their fifth child. When the child was delivered, she was born with no arms or legs, and the doctors had no reason to why. The lady lived approximately 21 years. At this moment, she was at, at, at a certain moment in her life, she was asked, how do you not erupt like a volcano of how unfair life has been toward you? And her response was astonishing. She says this, she says, I realize that compared to what most people have, what I have does not seem like much. But listen, I've been able to see in here, I've been able to smell, taste, and feel. I've been exposed to some of the world's greatest literature and heard some of the finest music. I've had some of the most wonderful friendships. I know what I have does not seem like much when compared to what other people have. But when compared to never getting to be at all, I would have not missed being born for anything. Fascinating perspective. I don't know, when you read through some of these just practical teachings of Jesus, 
the grace, the radical grace that you and I receive, have the opportunity to hear right now. That's an opportunity. So as Peter and the disciples, they ask Jesus, they say, Jesus, we've given up everything to follow you. Jesus, what, what's in store for us? So they just observed this conversation between this rich young man and Jesus has this encounter and he tells some news to this rich man and he says, you need to go and give away everything. And these disciples, they're, they're fascinated about what's taking place. And so Jesus responds with this story about this vineyard working, but I want to bring us back to the, where this all started and Matthew 19, 27, it says, Then Peter said to him, We've given up everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus says this, Jesus replied, I assure you that when the world is made new, the Son of Man sits upon his glorious throne. You who have been my followers will also sit on 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return and will inherit eternal life. But many of you, but many who are the greatest now will be the least important then. And those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. See, when it's all said and done, it's not how much we get, it's not who we know, it's not our station in life or how far we've climbed up the ladder. The radical grace that we've been given is that we have an opportunity to be at the vineyard. We have an opportunity to have a relationship with Jesus. We have an opportunity to receive the grace that's been given. This morning, as we conclude, I want to challenge you in this place. Are you grateful for the grace that's been given in your life? Are you grateful that you have the opportunity to be a part of the vineyard? Are you grateful that the the owner has saw you, pursued you, called you, says, hey, come be a part. I'm looking for workers. I'm looking for people, a part of the kingdom. Where are you at right now? We're going to take a moment and we're going to pray. And there's two groups of people in here I want to pray for. Those who've been going back and forth with the decision, do I follow Jesus? Do I receive this radical grace in my life? My hope for you is that you would. That you say, hey, I have an opportunity to inherit eternal life, that my life forever can be changed, that my life can ever be something that was then to something that can be much more. That there's a hope, that there's a love, that's a grace that's uncommon to this world. 
that this is new thinking, that it's not about comparing our lives to the lives of others, but it's the fact that we get to have this relationship with the radical Savior and His name is Jesus. If you want to take that step, I want to pray for you specifically right now. Welcome Jesus into your life. Maybe you're in here right now and you're doing a lot of that comparison. You become critical. You're becoming weighted, disgruntled, irritated, frustrated. I want to encourage you. We can change the way we're thinking. We can change the way we behave. We can reorient our thinking to, I want to be thinking about the things, but I want to be thinking that the vineyard, that the owner selected me, that the owner picked me, that the owner called me, that we have a relationship with him. So church, no matter where you're at, no matter what side of the fence you might be or the spectrum that you might be placed on, I want to encourage you, let's lean into the grace of our God, our heavenly Father. Let's pray together. God, right now, we give you this time. Lord, we pray for those who've made a decision to follow you, who are pursuing you, who are seeking you, who are done saying no and want to say yes. Lord, we move. We pray that you move in their, their hearts and minds and souls right now, that they take this next step and start a relationship with you. Lord, we also pray for those of us who are battling with the comparison game. We're inundated with distractions, inundated with what should be, what should happen. But right now, we pray that you help us not to compare laterally, but to think of you in a horizontal relationship. May our eyes be focused on you and on the things above. May we celebrate the fact that we have a shot to be a part of the vineyard. We give you this time and we give you this moment and we all say, Amen. Hey, thanks for listening today. If you have any questions or would like to speak to someone concerning this message, we invite you to fill out our online communication card at faithnfm.com. And if you're able, we'd love to have you with us in person on Sundays at 9 a.m. or 1045 a.m. or on the best night of the week for Wednesday prayer at 7 p.m. We're at 7101 Bayshore Road in North Fort Myers, just two miles west of I-75 at exit 143. Thanks again for listening.